welcome to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, co-hosted by yours truly, Kate Richardson and Megan Pachecki. We're two registered dietitians here to make your life easier by debunking diet myths, sharing scientific information about nutrition, and keeping you motivated to reach your goals. We want to teach you everything we know by giving you real life examples of how we've helped our combined thousands of clients transform their lives, lose weight, and get healthy without having to go on another cookie cutter diet. On this podcast, we'll be giving you our best advice, strategies, and mindset shifts so you too can reach your goals using food and most importantly, enjoy the process. We are going to Brene Brown. Brene Brownify this <laughs> podcast today. Um, so we are talking about the power of vulnerability when it comes to weight loss. The reason why this came up at all is because I had a client yesterday who came in who has been absolutely crushing it since I think we met last September. He's been highly motivated, very motivated guy in general. He's a former military, pretty high up in his company now pretty on top of things just in general even in terms of eating and exercise he was just off of his game and had a cholesterol and blood pressure result come back that he was not happy with so he was motivated to kind of get back to his old self like I said he's been crushing it came in yesterday and just looked down just looked like ugh. I'm like what's going on man like what's happening here he's like I'm in a plateau I don't know what's going on I haven't really changed a whole lot it's not like I'm going through the drive-thrus I'm not getting donuts like you know I'm still kind of working out blah 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 I'm like but the, the fire's just gone from you what is going on here so we just kind of went around and around in circles for probably 20 minutes until he finally looked at me and said do you want to know what really happened and I'm like <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of why we're here, right? <laughs> um, and in general, I would not call this guy a vulnerable person. Mm-hmm. Just kind of your typical male, everything's okay. Military type, you said. Yes. Mm-hmm. So he looks at me and he's like, you know, I went running. It's like, I finally finished that couch to 5K thing. I started it a million times. I finally finished it. Mm-hmm. And I started feeling fast again or I started feeling like I was ready to run faster and I was on a run and I looked across the street and there was another guy across the street running and he was younger and he looked more in shape and I looked at him and I was like you know what man I can beat you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I tried and I couldn't oh and I hurt myself no He's like, I pulled something in my calf. I don't know what I did, but, you know, I hurt my calf, but I hurt my pride even more. Mm. He's like, so tail between my legs, I went home, and I have not wanted to run mm. since. Mm-hmm. Like, part of it was the injury, you know, and I gave myself that excuse of I need the time, I need to heal, I can't get back out there until it's healed, I don't want to cause any more damage. But the other part of me was just hurt Mm. my pride and I just didn't have that fire Mm. anymore I was like okay finally we're getting somewhere (laughs) you're like excited by this news yes because otherwise (laughs) we were just kind of talking in circles about like why were you motivated before and now you're the wind is out of your sails what's really going on yeah and I don't think he'd actually even admitted it to himself that that was the reason 
And so the reason why I wanted to bring this up today is because that made me think of so many other conversations mm. that I've had with clients. And one of the things that I think mo- makes my most successful clients successful is that ability to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and talk about what's really going on, mm-hmm. not the surface level Not what stuff. they think you want to hear. Exactly. Not just the good things, the... The good, the bad, and the ugly. And not just about food and their meals and how they're meal prepping ahead of time or planning their meals mm-hmm. or how they're, they joined Orange Theory and all of that kind of stuff. But, like, what else is going mm-hmm. on that we need to deal with that is a barrier to you mm-hmm. getting to where you want to be? That story you just told about your client and how he bruised his ego I think ego gets in the way of so many things when it comes to making progress, not only in just weight loss or healthy living with anything. I mean, you think about your relationships, you think about your job. If your ego's in the way and you can't be vulnerable with someone who's trying to help you or support you, then you're just going to spin your wheels and you're not going to get anywhere. This makes me think of one of my clients who her living situation is interesting right now. She's living at home, but she spends a lot of time with her boyfriend who's got a twin brother that he lives with. And his twin brother's girlfriend is extremely toxic, in her words. Constantly talking about food, constantly talking about what she's eating, what she's cooking, her weight, her body image. And my client's really trying to do it the healthy way. And she's really trying to be more down to earth when it comes to healthy living. She's trying to focus on herself, but she gets so triggered by these girls' comments about everything and her bossiness and her controllingness and her body obsession that it's so hard for her to stay focused. And she kept that quiet for so long because she didn't think it. She she thought it was like a her problem. Like Mm -hmm. she's like, oh, like I don't want to admit that somebody else's talk about food and weight loss is making me want to give up and say, screw it. And until we could just honestly have a shit talk session about her (laughs) her uh, I guess future sister-in-law I'm not really sure how to describe it um was she able to really break through and recognize oh like somebody else actually makes me feel bad about myself and that's okay to admit Mm. because then once you reach that that point you can rise above it find a solution Mm -hmm. when we have clients make their initial consultation appointments when they schedule them online we ask three very simple questions and one of them is what is your goal for this appointment and you can almost tell if it's going to be a good consultation or not based on how many words (laughs) Uh (laughs) they put in that and if the wording is just lose weight it's like oh man this is going to be interesting what am I going to be able to pull out of this person they I love and hate those because it's such a toss-up on what kind of client you're going to have because on the flip side you'll have somebody who puts their whole medical weight loss eating history into this tiny box and I open up the appointment and I'm like okay we got numbers we've got dates here we've got like exacts they're like in 2019 from march to august i lost 17.5 pounds and it's like whoa so you already know that kind of person and then you Mm -hmm. just get weight loss healthier living and you're like okay this is somebody who's either gonna get deep or you're gonna have to really work hard to figure out well why do you want to lose weight what's it gonna cost you if you don't is it really about weight loss or is it about something else Mm -hmm. So those are always just like a grab bag of what are we going to talk about today? And how many clients have you had when you get down to kind of like the heart of the matter of all of their health issues? And the answer, which I think you phrased this to me first, is to tell them to get a life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And not in a 
mean way, but in a way that they have something to focus Mm. on. They have something to work towards that doesn't have anything to do with food, body, or health. You know, it's so funny you bring that point up because randomly this morning, and this annoyed me, but I'm trying not to be annoyed by it. I was minding my own business, walking my dog right by our building here. And this lady like kind of stops me and she's like, can you hear me? Because I had my headphones in and I was like, yes. And starts asking me what I feel about COVID. And I have a point to this, I swear. I know, right? I'm like, Whoa, okay. What? You know, and so I'm like, great, great. And she's just, I think she just needs someone to talk to. And lo and behold, I was that body that happened to be there. And she's like, I go back and forth in my head. Do I leave the house? Do I do this? And all I could think was like, lady, you got to have something else to think about because your mind's just on loop. All you're thinking about is, do I go outside? Do I leave my house? Do I worry? Do I not? Do I? And so I thought about people because I, you know, she's asking me my advice, 27 year old. She's, you know, way past retired. And I was like, well, you know, if you died tomorrow, you don't want to just be sitting in your house obsessing over coronavirus, would you at this point? I mean, everyone's got entitled to their opinions, but clearly she wanted to be doing something. It's like she needed the okay. And then the same thing goes with people who are so obsessed with dieting or weight loss or health. Like you, your brain just does the same things over and over again. You think the same freaking thoughts all the freaking time. And if you're always obsessed with your body and counting calories and counting macros and good and bad foods, you just keep going and going. And the real problem is you don't have anything else interesting to think about or at least feel half as passionate about, right? Mm -hmm. You might have a job that you think about in your daily routine, but in those gaps between when your attention is being pulled somewhere, you're just thinking about your body image. You got to get a life. You got to explore what you're actually interested in and then figure out what's missing from your life. Mm -hmm. Is it pleasure? Is it fun? Is it creativity? Is it adventure? It's probably not, oh, I need to lose 10 pounds. Maybe you'll lose 10 pounds once you get out there and do something. I don't know. I can't predict the future. But what's missing from your life isn't weight loss necessarily. It's Mm -hmm. probably just doing something. One of the other things that made me want to talk about this was I am reading the first draft of Kate's book. Well, by the way, if you ever (laughs) write a book, (laughs) just brace yourself. I mean, I love your comments. But yeah, I do. I almost piddle my pants every time I see an email come in that's like, Megan's made comments. So Kate is telling different stories of different clients throughout this book. And one thing that I noticed in each of the stories is that towards the end, when they kind of um, come to their realizations about what they need to change or how they need to do things differently and kind of kind of their like conclusion for each one of them there's this moment of vulnerability in that story Mm -hmm. that they are able to come to terms with that maybe they weren't able to see Mm -hmm. or that they weren't willing to admit and that has a lot to do with their success story in the end. Thank you for noticing that. But it's true because the goal of that book and the goal with working with clients, no matter what, for both of us, is we want you to realize that even when you have that like, aha moment of like, this is what I need to change. Well, it doesn't mean you're all of a sudden just going to do a 180 and be good forever. Like if you realize like, okay, this is actually my problem. Well, there's step one is self-awareness and then it's practicing the self-awareness. And I think that's where vulnerability also comes into hand. So let's say that you realized your problem is that when you're tracking calories, you get really triggered to overeat. You're so obsessed with tracking numbers. It triggers you to say, forget this. I already went over my macros, my calories by however many. I'm just going to eat whatever I want. 
Well, unless you can admit that and be vulnerable about that, then you can't work to find a new solution. And then if you still run into that problem, which you just might, you might feel triggered to start tracking again for whatever reason, and then the same thing happens. Well, if you can't admit to yourself or your dietitian or whoever your support system is that, hey, you, you had a little oops, you lapsed, you did the same thing again. If you can't admit it and laugh at yourself or forgive yourself, then you're gonna get sucked right back in the cycle. So it's like recognizing, okay, here's the new solution you need to try, we're aware of it. Forgive yourself if it doesn't go perfectly for the rest of your life every single time you try to execute it. That's just part of the process. I think one of the first steps to being vulnerable is admitting that you might need somebody else Mm -hmm. to help you. And so in those stories, at least, those clients decided I need the help of a registered dietitian or whatever it is that's going on in your life. Like, where do you need someone to come in and help you and maybe look at it from a different perspective? And you were that person for them, asking them those questions, probing questions that other people maybe weren't ever asking them or doing a Weight Watchers diet. Mm -hmm. You're not being asked those questions. One of my favorite ones that you asked someone was... I don't know if I'm going to get the wording right, but it was like, what is this behavior costing you, Mm -hmm. your relationships, your family, your friends in the short term, and what is it costing Mm -hmm. you in the long term if you continue to do the behaviors that you're currently doing? Mm -hmm. And that was like, oh, whoa, like Mm -hmm. nobody's ever asked me that question. So if I notice that there's a behavior that's not serving me, like what is that costing me? What is that costing my relationships now and in the future? That's a gut-wrenching question, isn't it? And I've had to ask myself that in other areas of my life lately. Like, If I keep doing the same thing I'm doing, what's the worst case scenario? And the way I do this, and sometimes I do this with my more creative thinking clients, like if somebody's willing to go there, I say, paint the picture to me and see it as like a black and white movie. Like, tell me the most like terrible thing that's going to happen if you keep going on fad diets. What's going to ha- what's going to happen if they've got a, a child to say how is that going to affect your daughter's relationship with food and body? What what's it going to cost you financially? We might pull out one of their biggest values if it's family, if it's friends, if it's being active, if it's vacationing, if it's money. Well, how is that going to affect all of these things? And some people are really motivated by consequences more so than rewards. Mm-hmm. So if we look at the reward as, "Oh, I'm weight loss." Okay, cool. Congrats if that's what you're working for and it makes you feel better yay but if that's not gonna light the fire under your butt anymore then you have to really explore those emotional depths and that's hard to do alone Mm -hmm. um i think it's it's possible if you journal and you really dig deep but it's you're going to expedite the process with a dietitian or therapist or whoever you're working with definitely i think having that other person even if it's just a friend and not a professional i think as a step one maybe they're Mm -hmm. not gonna have the best advice right ever but being able to just kind of get those things off your chest and if you're not willing to do that just journaling Mm -hmm. just asking yourself some of these questions and journaling one of my favorite questions Mm -hmm. i think you do this too we've talked about this maybe on other episodes is asking our clients what their same-sex guardian or parents relationship with food was like Mm -hmm. um if we find people that are kind of stuck in ruts or a lot of body shaming or a lot of self-shaming or weird thoughts about food i shouldn't say weird but unhelpful thoughts about food Sometimes I just drop that bomb. I'll Mm -hmm. be like, what was your mom's relationship with food like? Mm -hmm. Or her body? How did your mom talk about food around you? And sometimes that's just when, like, uh, tears just... (laughs) 
yeah. come flying. And then this is the, the effed up thing about me. I'm like, yes, we're getting somewhere. Right, like you yeah. have to. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, it's very clarifying. So if you don't know where to start, I would say the questions about, okay, what's the long-term and short-term consequences? What were your parents' relationships with food like? And how does that affect you as a child? And then what patterns from childhood are you still using in adulthood? And are they still helpful? Some of them might be, but a lot of them aren't. Yeah. And feeling too, like being able to feel emotions is part of vulnerability and being okay with Mm -hmm. feeling emotions that aren't just being fine Mm -hmm. all of the time. And I think that comes along with a lot of issues that people have with eating is when you're not willing to feel a certain emotion that we would typically think of as a negative emotion, we will turn to food. Mm -hmm. So whether it's sadness or anger or embarrassment or shame we use food as a distraction from that quote unquote negative emotion because we were taught to always be fine Um, and a lot of times that stems from childhood and I guess I think our generation is a little bit better than the previous but I still think our parents were in that zone of like the kid is good if they're fine. Yes. So I have to do everything to make my kid fine. Mm-hmm. And if they're crying, there's a problem. So we have to fix this problem mm-hmm. versus let them feel the emotion because emotions are negative. Yeah, man. <laughs> I think, yeah, like you said, I think that our generation that are having kids now are a lot more aware of that. I mean, if we're going to talk about vulnerability, I can think of both situations for me as a kid if I wasn't a, like a good girl or happy kid, my parents made me feel overwhelmed with the intense emotion that I was showing. And I'd go to my room and I couldn't really talk to anyone until they instigated the conversation first. So when I was a kid or a teenager, I found two different ways to cope. At first it was eating, because I was like, I feel so sad, my dad's not gonna talk to me, I'll just eat a bunch of snacks. That was one way to help me. I had other coping mechanisms too, but I started to learn that one as a preteen. And then as I got self-conscious about my body, whenever I felt uncomfortable, I would start dieting. And Mm. I think dieting also acts as a coping mechanism because it makes you feel in control. And you're like, I feel so crappy about myself right now. I feel so fat, blah, blah, blah. Nobody likes me. Oh, this, this temporary high of planning my next diet makes me feel like I'm going to do better and I feel better about myself because look at me, I have all these rules and I'm on a path and I'm on a plan and then you inevitably can't follow the plan and you feel like crap and it's a horrible cycle. And so it's learning to sit with those uncomfortable emotions and you have to A, get a life so that they, you know, you have something to turn to and cope to, but then also learning to, I mean, I guess I just said it, cope with the emotion, whether it's from journaling or talking with somebody and say, hey, it's okay if you feel uncomfortable today. Yeah. Food's not going to fix it. Dieting's not going to fix it. And I think as women, we chalk a lot of our problems up to our looks. Mm -hmm. So whether that is our body image, whether that is having wrinkles or now we have gray hair or we have dark roots or whatever it is. And we're like, you know, our problems are caused by the way that we look. And if we just fix the way that we look, a lot of these problems will seemingly go away. But the reason why we do that is because we know inherently that those things aren't ever going to go away. Mm -hmm. Like you can throw a bunch of money, but you are who you are. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You are who you are. And we're kind of taught that we need to like look a certain way or be a certain way. And so especially with 
some of my clients who have always felt like they're in a larger body than their friends or than their family, they kind of chalk that up to the reason why they haven't done X, Y, or Z, Mm -hmm. or they haven't felt this way, or they haven't ever had a 9 out of 10 confidence Mm -hmm. level. It's because of the way that their body looks. Mm -hmm. And so if they don't truly believe that they can make a change, then it gives them an out Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to say, well, all of these things in my life are because I can't make my body look a certain way. And Mm -hmm. I've tried and Mm -hmm. I've tried and I've tried and I just can't look that way. Mm. And so if I can, it takes a long time Mm -hmm. to get to that with people and get to that admit admit admittance because Mm -hmm. that takes a lot of vulnerability to get to that point of realizing that and and what are you trying to cover up or comfort or mask with Mm. believing that the problem is with you and your body or with you and food Mm. it's a hard question and you know if you're listening to this and you've never thought about that before and you're relating to a lot of what Megan just said don't expect to just know an answer right away I think sometimes if we ask those questions here in our office, people kind of look at us like we just hit them with the car. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, I don't know. And I'm like, hey, you don't have to know this right now, but mm-hmm. it's your responsibility to do some deep dive. And maybe there's nothing there. Maybe I'm throwing crap on a wall and it's not sticking. Mm-hmm. But really, like, dig deep. Why aren't you owning yourself? Is it more comfortable to just blame it on your weight and how you've always been rather than to try something new? To step out of your box and put yourself in a vulnerable situation. I think a really simple an- like example of this would be, you know, if you've always felt like, I felt this way as a kid, like the fat friend. Even though I wasn't obese or anything, I always just felt big. And it was like a point of con- conversation. So whenever I would try to fit into like Abercrombie clothes <laughs> or when I started going to the gym. You're I f- tall and you have long legs. Like, yeah, but when you're, you know. Not, no, but even yeah. as an adult, like you still feel that way. Yeah, I get you know, it. You know, you don't no, fit yeah. that way. I'm not discounting that at all. I'm just saying like it's funny as a mm-hmm. preteen how you feel trying to fit into something totally. that... Like those tiny little Abercrombie mm-hmm. shorts that didn't fit. Jeez. I mean, your left for days. Butt. Yeah, yeah. So I can imagine being someone like you who's taller with longer legs. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got called the principles. Like just, yeah, <laughs> underwear on you. Anyway, sorry. But yeah, like, and I can relate to that. And so now, like, you know, if it, as an adult, if you're experiencing that, it's scary to go into like a gym. And that's really scary because you think like, oh, my God, like, what if I don't fit in here? What if people look at me? I'm, you know, like the, you know, uh preteen going through puberty trying to fit into little kids clothes squeezing the tiny shorts I'm this person that doesn't feel like she fits in in the gym so it's really scary but you have to look at okay well if you got to put yourself in a new uncomfortable position to start to get comfortable because right now you're choosing something that's still uncomfortable which is staying the way you are Mm -hmm. because it feels more familiar and that's a lot easier it's easier to just kind of live in a discomfort you're familiar with than try a new one yeah yeah. And it's like, ugh, and we all do it in areas of our life. And some of us do that with food and fitness. And then you'll see someone else who tries everything. And they don't give a rat's ass. And you're like, how? But they probably have that same issue in something else in their life too. Have you noticed with your clients that in this kind of COVID era that people have lost their tribes? Mm. Meaning they've lost their, you know, they used to go do this thing all the time, whether it's quilting or CrossFit Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. whatever, and then they stopped doing it, Mm -hmm. and now they don't have their people anymore. And so, like, as humans, we're not designed to not have our people. 
And so a lot of times like you'll fixate on certain things. And some of my clients have chosen to fixate on food. Or their body. Yes, exactly. I can think of a client right off the bat. She's retired. And before COVID, she was really into music. And her and her husband played in like an orchestra. Um, But because she's breathing into a flute, you know, she couldn't go and do that. And so she was at home and she had grandbabies that weren't around. So she mm. felt depressed because her grandbabies were running around. She didn't have her musical crutch. Music wasn't fun if she couldn't go perform. It kind of depressed her more. She's not overweight at all. If you looked at her, you'd be like, dang, like you're 65 and you look like that. But she fixated on these five pounds. And she had a son, an adult son living with her who had a a very strict diet by choice for health reasons. And so she was listening to him and fixating on all these things and second guessing everything. And through three or four of our sessions, it was like, oh, no, no, no. Like you need to do, you need projects. You need projects. You need fun. You need to stop trying to appease everyone around you with how you eat because you think the way they eat is how you should eat. Do the thing you've always done because you've never had an issue with food until now. Mm-hmm. Like you need to get out there and do something, whether it's in the house with your people or getting back out there and meeting new people in ways that you feel safe. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because it's like you walk out of there and you're like, well, crap, now I got to figure out. It's a lot easier to go on a diet. Yeah. It's a lot easier to print something off of Pinterest. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot easier to follow this meal plan than it is to really do that inward work. Mm-hmm. To get a life. I mean, like <laughs> you said, it's it sounds so harsh, but it is. It's get a life. <laughs> I, I think it's good to share some examples of how people have gotten lives before. I had this one client who was awesome, and she noticed she was fixated on food. She's one of those people that's so self-aware, you're like, holy cow, like, how does your brain work? Like, how do you know all these little corners and crevices of your brain? <laughs> and so she was really good about things. She was like, I think I need to take, like, a sabbatical year from work and figure myself out. But for now, I'm going to do roller derby. And I was like, I know, right? And and she's like, she's like, it's perfect because I don't want to be around a lot of people. I like this small group. The women that are going to be in roller derby aren't going to be like, this is her words, like annoying bar people. (laughs) I love the bar people. This is hate out there. But you can see it's two different type archetypes of people. People are doing roller derby where they're like going around the rink and pushing each other and bar class. It's different. It's just facts. And she's like, I like because it's active. It gets me out there. It's something that practice and i was like queen pop off go do roller i'm not getting near you i'll get i'll die but i was like what an exciting thing to do and we were talking about it and i was like and guess what even if you hate it like even if you go three or four times and you're like screw this this sucks you did something and maybe you'll find something else Mm -hmm. like you never ever have to commit to anything if you don't want to yeah I like that a lot, and she never would have got to that place if she wasn't having vulnerable conversations to realize that it wasn't necessarily about food or her body. She's one of the most analytical people I know who is also the most vulnerable. It was such, like, a nice dichotomy. Cool. I think the whole point that I wanted to get across in this podcast is to open yourself up to the thought that there may be things that you are maybe shielding yourself Mm -hmm. against or haven't opened yourself up to that may be barriers Mm -hmm. to your success when trying to lose weight in the past. Can you think of any other top of your head that you wanted Mm -hmm. to share besides from the stories that we had? Uh, One thing that I was thinking about that I have not, I haven't broke through with this client yet, but one of 
he's very motivated right now. He has a health reason to be very motivated to lose 50 pounds because he wants to get this specific surgery mm. and he needs to lose 50 pounds in order to do so. And so right now he is kind of like tracking everything, keeping it in an Excel sheet. Just, I mean, he's crushing it right now, but I have this fear that this isn't sustainable for the long haul it's sustainable Mm. for the short period of time to get to this specific goal but then what after that Mm -hmm. so it's kind of he's putting his time and effort into it now because this is his thing right Mm -hmm. now but he's admitted to me a couple times that he is just bored (laughs) and he's retired and a lot of his weight gain has happened after he's retired and he's like i just don't like any of these shows that you people like these (laughs) days he's like it's either a crime that somebody got murdered or somebody's dating somebody and they're picking between 25 people to date he's like i just i'm not into it (laughs) he's like so i just watch wheel of fortune and jeopardy and then i'm like now what do i piddle around on my email i don't get any exciting emails He's like, so I go to the pantry because what else is going to, like, make me happy? Mm. Like, what's within my house that Mm. I can do right now? So I know that's something we're going to have to work through, but he is not a vulnerable person. (laughs) (laughs) Older men? Are you kidding me? In the least bit. Um, So anytime I try to bring up anything that's, like, new age at all, he's like, no. (laughs) So it'll be interesting trying to break through that barrier with him but it's something that we're gonna have to fix or this is you know the the excel sheet can only be his thing for so long right right then then when he gets to that point i always ask people one of two questions i say when you were a little kid what did you love to do Mm -hmm. sometimes people know right off the bat sometimes they don't if they don't know what they were they were into as a little kid like before like age you know eight or nine I'll ask them, okay, what's missing from your life? Like, what are you actually craving right now if you're turning to food? Kind of like I had mentioned earlier. And then it's like, okay, if it's, let's just say pleasure, what could give you pleasure? Mm-hmm. Like, and explore your brain. Google pleasurable things to do. I think asking what did you like to do when you were a kid is a great question because I have a lot of clients who are moms mm-hmm. who have totally lost the ability because I'm like, what makes you happy? they have they don't know and they they're like whoa like i don't i'm like write 10 things that make you happy and they are like i don't know cleaning my house like having a clean house (laughs) that's it (laughs) it's all i want in life um so maybe being able to give them that perspective of like Mm. well before this Mm -hmm. what were the things that you enjoyed maybe in college or high school or even as a kid what were you drawn to and maybe you would still be drawn to those things now if you had the ability and Mm. time to do so which is a whole nother episode of how to make time to do those things sure but at least knowing that this is what is missing and how do we get little Mm. glimpses of that Mm -hmm. more often Replacing mindless life. snacking and food or dieting mm-hmm. with those things. Or, like, your hour-long scroll on Instagram yeah. at 8 p.m. that you think is, like, Ugh. this little dopamine hit when really the thing that you're missing in your life is creativity. Yeah. So if you go and buy some watercolors, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would that make you feel way more fulfilled? Mm-hmm. Or connection, connection with people. Instagram's not connecting. Right. Most people are using it. 
we need to wrap up because we yes. have something exciting going on. I figured, like, let's not let's tell the listeners All what right. we're about to do. Spill the beans. We are about to have a conference call with our app developer. What? Uh, because there will be a nutrition awareness app coming out very soon. I think March twenty eighth mm-hmm. is that launch day. Yep, so launch day. That is what we are about to do. So hopefully, you found this podcast helpful, mm-hmm. and you will. Ask yourself some of those mm-hmm. probing questions if mm-hmm. you have a feeling that vulnerability is something that you've been lacking in when it comes to your health goals. Thanks, guys, for listening, and we'll keep you updated with the app. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. And if you did find it helpful and want to share it with the whole world, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram in your stories at nutrition.awareness so we can connect with you. To get notified about the next episode of Nutrition Awareness, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And to create your own personalized nutrition plan with us, be sure to schedule your virtual or in-person consultation on our website, www.orlandodietitian.com. Now get out there, fuel up, and live your healthiest life. We'll see you on the next episode.